organize your amazing ideas into a powerful book, you are in the right place. At the right time to learn how to write your book. Hi, I'm Joyce Glass. And I'm Sherry Lynn Bisbano, and welcome to The Right Hour, nonfiction tips from The Right Coach team. We are so glad you joined us today. Welcome to Episode 8 of 6 of The Right Hour. You'll want to pay special attention today. Do you take care of the financial side of your writing business? As writers, most of us are not too fond of worrying about taxes and bookkeeping, but it's an extremely important piece for any business. Shannon shares some valuable tips to help put your finances in order. Shannon Weinstein is a certified public accountant and fitness instructor based in Connecticut. She created Financial Solutions to help entrepreneurs become more financially fit and turn their income into impact. Currently, she offers various accounting and tax services to clients all over the U.S. She has offered educational services like live and web-based workshops for groups and companies. While Shannon is a qualified professional in her field, any information she's sharing today is designed just to promote awareness and does not deserve as individual tax advice. Each tax situation is different and implementing specific advice will yield different results. It's always best to consult a professional before turning any information you learn today into actionable steps. So listen closely for what you need to do and make sure you find sound advice for your situation. Hi, and welcome to this episode of The Right Hour. I am so excited to have our guests today, Shannon Weinstein and Sherilyn's with me. And we're, we're going to be talking about the not-so-fun thing that writers want to deal with sometimes is finances and taxes. <laughs> so, <laughs> but they are a uh, necessary evil in our world, so <laughs> we have to deal with them. Well, Shannon, tell us... Uh, a little bit about you and your journey to becoming financially fit. And I think you did something with fitness too. Is that correct? Yeah. So my my whole mission is helping entrepreneurs become financially fit. And I am a CPA based in Connecticut. I also became a fitness professional um, about six, seven years ago and started teaching fitness classes. And what I discovered was in an environment where I was surrounded by people that didn't have an accounting and tax background, there were a lot of questions popping up. And I just leaned into, you know, using my background in accounting to help them. And that's where I found a real passion and kind of a purpose in what I'm doing. And it transcends beyond fitness into any type of entrepreneur who maybe didn't have that education on topics around taxes and accounting and finance. I grew up in a house with a CPA as a dad. So I, I learned all this really young and early and I was surprised to find out that like income taxes aren't common sense to people. So (laughs) neither is balancing a checkbook or a bank statement. None of that stuff. A lot of people don't know how to do that. Yeah. No. And I was very, very lucky. Uh, my high school up in near Boston, my high school offered a business class and an accounting class in high school. Uh-huh. And we got to, we got to take those classes, you know, as 16, 17 year olds, I learned how to balance a checkbook, you know, as soon as I got my first checking account. So I, I was very lucky in that respect. And my goal is to share that with others and teach them that it really can be simple. Mm-hmm. We don't have to overcomplicate these things. Right. 
So Shannon, I mean, I had a hard time until I took accounting and in finance in high school. I mean, I was, I had a job as a teenager and I didn't know how to handle my finances. But once I took that course, I got better. But tell us, what are some mistakes writers make when handling their finances? So, and I, I would group writers in, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of speaking broadly about mostly freelance writers and right. people. Yeah. So I would say it kind of falls under the umbrella of what any entrepreneur is doing and making mistakes with. I don't think it's unique necessarily to writers, but I think writers definitely feel these types of things. And one of them is really not being prepared to have their own business and be a hundred percent responsible for their taxes. Right. I think we're used to from growing up, maybe we had full-time or part-time jobs where we had a paycheck and that stuff was taken out automatically. You really didn't have to think about it. It was out of sight, out of mind. Right. And now you actually have to own that and be disciplined mm-hmm. and be part of the process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was one of the things that I had to learn too when I went out on my own. And creative people struggle with that a lot. (laughs) Entrepreneurs, writers, artists, all of those kind of lump in that category uh, is not intuitive unless you're kind of more of a financial brain type of person. But what are some other things that you see that people do making a mistake with handling their finances? Yeah. So other than, you know, if when you we talk about ownership, it's it's they don't understand how they should be treated if they're an independent contractor versus an employee. What does that mean for their taxes? Mm-hmm. And if they are an independent contractor, as many freelancers are, then it's taking advantage of all the business expenses they can take as deductions. Cause we hear that phrase all the time, right? Like, oh, it's a write-off or it's a deduction. <laughs> And it's a kind of a selling point we tell ourselves if we're spending money, like, it's okay, I can write it off. Um, (laughs) But I think there's actually a lot of money that we're leaving as entrepreneurs on the table if you don't understand exactly what you can take as a deduction and maximizing it. And that's what accountants can really help with. So so you're saying that uh, I would think that as a writer, if we don't know all the ins and outs and what we can claim, I think, wouldn't it be of us to hire someone like you or uh, or an accountant? Yeah. And I, I think that many folks who are maybe, again, in that creative space, if they're just starting out, it may not be the first thing that comes to mind that I need to hire an accountant. Mm-hmm. It actually, they may not even be aware of the types of things they need help with because me as an accountant, I would say, okay, how can I support you? But there's always that gap in between of, well, I don't know. I want you to tell me that. <laughs> <laughs> and fill me in on what I need to do. So a lot of it is is the awareness, education. That's kind of the stuff I help with a lot of. But hiring an accountant is a great decision because they can be there with you through your whole business life cycle. So I, I say it's never too early to hire an accountant. They can help you with everything. Uh, I like to think of it like you think of a primary care physician right. versus the minute clinic. So like yes. you want somebody who's going to be there, know the health of your business, you know, like your family doctor and be there for the whole life of it. They understand your purpose, your why, Mm -hmm. and they understand what you're trying to do so that when they advise you, it's not just blanket advice. It's not just the same thing they told Joe Smith next door. It's custom to you and because they get you. And that's, that's kind of my, um, my message is, is find someone that you can have a relationship with long-term. And I think part of that is getting that connection, but then learning what you need to do. Cause there are some simple things you can do all year long, you know, 
if the least thing you do is just keep your receipts in an envelope by month or by category, something, some, because that will save you a ton of time when it comes mm-hmm. to tax time. Because what my husband and I have done is, because he does our taxes and he's financial brain, so that helps. And he comes from a, his mother actually loves to do t- tax. Anyways, is he's given me a list of categories, and those I keep those categories in my program online. So then at the end of the year, all I have to do is do an uh, income statement or a report, a balance sheet, and I can go look at each of those categories and give him the numbers, you know, and you're done. And so it can be simplified. Don't let it scare you, you know, because it's kind of scary and intimidating at first. What else do you think could help writers crack this code on taxes? Because like you said, there's a lot of ifs, ands, and buts to everybody's situation. Because if you know, depending upon what your spouse makes, that depends on what kind of category you're in. Do kind of also depends on then what kind of deductions you can get and yada yada yada. So there's a lot what's some other things you can help them crack the code on taxes. So and it really comes out you hit on something really cool, Joyce, which was the idea that it doesn't have to be that complicated if you don't let it sit for a long period of time. So I'm always an advocate for small habit changes over time. If it's just updating that spreadsheet every week or finding an automated tool that allows you to take a picture of your receipt or to create convenience around doing this tracking, it becomes less of a burden when it's 10 seconds every couple of weeks as opposed to hours and hours one time a year. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's really, and, and that's why when I talk to fellow fitness folks, that's, I, I compare it to your physical fitness, right? Like mm-hmm. you don't just train in January. <laughs> you have to actually keep exercising to see if results and you have to be consistent. Now, if that were only true, I wish. <laughs> like if I wouldn't exercise for the month of January and I was getting yeah, to let it last all the years, that would be great. Yeah. Shana, you, you had mentioned resources. Uh, what are some good resources, especially if someone's just starting out and they don't know anything about finances? Yeah, and that's the thing. You have to look for credible resources. Like I am 100% a fan of looking on the IRS website for tax questions. Like that is a really good resource. It just go straight from the, you know, the horse's mouth, so to say. Find out what they're saying because they actually write it in a pretty simplified way. Um, on their website, not the actual code. That's like no. <laughs> crazy. Say, I'm really not the code. The no. FAQs, the FAQs on the website. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So the FAQs are helpful. I, I would always advocate for going to a professional because what they can, here's the thing. You go to a professional, it's not just their knowledge. They have access to cr- incredible research tools and networks. So for example, if you work with me, and there's a question about a state maybe I'm not familiar with because I work with folks all around the country. If I'm not familiar with a particular state law, I have CPA friends in the other states I know through my network groups. I can bounce stuff off of them. So you have access to that network. And now in this digital age, it's way easier to get your answer a lot faster right. than reading reading tons of books and, and researching and taking the time. So right. when it comes to resources, I say use your people that are experts in their field. and People are very hesitant, I found, to reach out to an accountant, maybe thinking they're going to get billed or thinking that you're bothering them in tax season. But my whole mentality is like, that's what we're here for. Like, that's why we studied. We became experts in this to help people. So 
what's wrong with asking the question, you know, just to see if you can get a response or have them point you in the right direction. And one thing that I, I try to tell people not to do is not to just post on Facebook and ask a question. Oh, come on. So like I'm, so I'm part, part of a tax preparers group, which is phenomenal. <laughs> like there's a ton of resources out there for fellow tax pros. And yeah. we bounce stuff off each other that are all qualified professionals. And one of the requirements is to have a certification to, to, That's awesome. to prep. So, so we're kind of in this circle. It's almost like, think of like a big conference room table. We're all sitting there and bouncing ideas off each other in that group. And that's excellent. And I always ask questions there. But what I'm referring to is the average person going into right. a like open forum, you know, uh, I love gardening Facebook group. <laughs> And saying, "Hey, I, I agree. I I have a, agree. I'm a writer. I have a question. I, you know, what do I do? What do I need for my Schedule C? Should I be an LLC or not? And all these other questions that pop up all the time. And if you're taking advice on Facebook, just know that these people are not vetted, qualified, and you run the risk of implementing their advice and having it not work out for you. So, I, I always say it's worth the investment to get the right answer than to have to backtrack and." you know, uh, reconsider what you've heard on open forums like that when everyone has the same volume to the voice. I totally agree with you. (laughs) Well, what are your financial services? I don't think we've went over that yet, did we? Sure. So uh, I offer sort of accounting tax uh, services for uh, individuals, business owners, but also I do uh, coaching. And what I consider coaching is kind of the empowerment to the entrepreneurs of helping them understand this stuff so that they can do this you know, on a regular basis, setting them up with a solid bookkeeping tool or setting them up with um, the tips and tricks and habits they need. Think of it like a personal trainer. It's like giving you a meal plan and a workout plan so yeah. that you can create these habits on your own so that you don't need to either rely on outsourcing all of it if you want to learn some of this stuff or when you do outsource, you're very mindful of what you need to have done and what it should look like so that you can have more control over your business. And I'm big on education. So I offer live-based workshops, trainings. I do web-based workshops and trainings. Like if a group of entrepreneurs I've worked with had me come in and do a presentation for them on basics of taxes for a um, solo freelancer. Mm -hmm. And that was really helpful for that group. I also do it at like gyms and studios, you know, wherever there's folks in a collective that are looking to obtain more knowledge on this stuff just for awareness and education. And um, one of the biggest things that I'm doing right now, other than taxes, because we're right in the heat of tax season, is one of the biggest efforts I'm doing this year is helping folks get their bookkeeping, what I call bulletproof. So we want to have solid, solid books so that the tax prep services are a piece of cake. Because not only to your point, Joyce, is it a time saver? Mm. But accountants charge more if your books are a mess. Oh, definitely. Uh-huh. I mean, that's just like with editing. If your book's a mess and it's going to take me longer to edit, it's going to cost more. more. It's going to be more expensive and take more time because you, you know, either haven't learned the skill yet or you, um, you know, didn't take the time to clean it up good. So the same thing applies with your books. I get that. Um, yeah, that's wonderful. So what are some um, tools that you recommend for that? Yeah, some of the points that you do for the bulletproofs, because that's something that I think we all need help with. Yeah, so 
when it comes to books, I mean, I, I love to use this phrase and anyone who, who knows me, who hears this is going to say, Oh God, here we go again. But I always say crayon on a napkin is better than nothing. I don't care if it's, you have to take out a piece of toilet paper and write a receipt. I don't care. Write something down, keep things in writing, keep records. That, that is number one. Mm-hmm. Now the best way, like, cause something is better than nothing always. But if you have something and you want to do a better job at maintaining your books, what I really recommend now that we're in 2020 is get online with zero or QuickBooks online mm-hmm. and start using that. If you have more than a few transactions a month, it is actually super affordable. I think the rates for the self-employed and the equivalent option for zero are somewhere in the ballpark of $10 a month. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. So are, very accessible. Are there any apps that people can use to keep track of their finances, like receipts and dinners and gas and all that? I know there's an app for everything, but is do you have a name of any of them that we could use? Yeah, actually, um, QuickBooks has an app that connects to your QuickBooks online that does all of the things that you said. So it actually allows you to take pictures of your receipts and it uploads it to the transaction for you. On top of that, and it creates the the record in um, QuickBooks. It also links to your bank account. So anything that you're you're uh, transferring in and out of your bank account automatically shows up on your dashboard, and then wow. you can just you can just say what that was related to, and 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 it will get recorded. And it also does mileage too. So if you want to, if you drive your vehicle to do meetings and you drive that for business, I know that we don't think of driving when we think of writers, but if you're having meetings in person or you're doing anything where you have to drive to a site and back, that mileage could be deductible. Yeah. So, conferences and food at conferences and uh, airfare to conferences, just, just meeting somebody to help teach them how to edit. Yeah, that's yep. There's so many, and um, yeah, all those sound like deductible expenses, and they're worth keeping track of because the little things do add up pretty quickly. Yeah, another app for mileage. If you're not using QuickBooks, is Mile IQ. I use that because it automatically tracks all my driving, and then I can slide one way for personal and the other way for business. And at the end of the year, well, each month, it gives me a report, and then at the end of the year, I have a report ready for my mileage like that. Yeah, so that's they're perfect. All, Lots of apps. Zero, you can put copies of receipts in, but I do it kind of as a, I think I do like a cash folder for things that aren't showing up in my checking account. And you can make a, a copy of that receipt. Or I also will take screenshots of things and keep them in Evernote and tag mm. 2019 taxes too. So there's multiple ways <laughs> to do this. Yeah. Um, just get it. Like you said, pick, find one, pick a way it works for you. Or like we said at the beginning, you know, if anything, make an uh, envelope for each category and put your receipts in there because then you'll be able to, to find them and hand them over easier. So yeah, exactly. Exactly. And uh, the way I always say it, I get the question all the time, Shannon, what's the best way? And I always say the best way is the way that you will consistently do throughout the year. Whatever yep. you, whatever you will do as a habit, because if I tell you QuickBooks is the best, but you're not used to software and you're uncomfortable with it, I don't want you using it. I would rather you keep a journal or a written log or um, even a spreadsheet. Now, if you hire, have people like I hire a VA, um, she has her own business. I don't need to do a 1099 for someone who already has their own business, do I? Like that? Yes, you do. So anyone who... 
uh, so the rules are you have to do a 1099 uh, for anyone who you pay over $600 to that is not paid in the form, form of PayPal or credit card. So if I pay her- And the $600 is for the course of the year. So if you, during the year, not in one payment, during the year in total, paid over $600 to someone who is in business, mm-hmm. um, there are exclusions like a corporation. There's like a whole um, set of criteria. We'll put it that way. You can look this up online. Um, but the rules around 1099 is you're going to want to send them a... What it does is it, it reports the income that they made and the expense that you have so that they would claim the income and you would claim the expense um, for the cost of their labor or, or whatever they're providing you. So we know tax laws are always changing. The rules and regulations are always changing. So is there anything we need to know right now as writers, as far as anything, you know, the new rules and regulations or anything changing? Yes, definitely. So there is a new rule out that went into effect January 1st, and it's definitely causing a little bit of a rumbling (laughs) in the space in California. And this is specific to California. So this affects any companies in California or any independent contractors in California. So if you have listeners in California that are freelancers, this is definitely going to affect them. And this is spreading. So there are other states that are following suit. So even if you don't live in California, this is something to be aware of. And there's a new law coming out uh, or that came out that li- really limits who is defined to be an independent contractor. And to give you a little bit of the background as to why you should care, if you're an independent contractor, you make business income and you can take business expenses as your deductions to bring that taxable income down, right? And then you pay less taxes. If you're an employee, then you make a certain wage or salary. And you're withholding taxes out of that, but you can't bring that income down through the uh, expense deductions, right? You're just an employee. So what they're doing is California is narrowing the definition of an independent contractor specifically focused on the gig economy, like your Uber and Lyft drivers, but this affects any freelancers. This affects my fitness professionals I work with who are independently contracted and this is um, a big deal because there is a much stricter definition of an independent contractor and there are folks that are getting penalized for misclassifying and could get switched to become, being called an employee. And for writers, there's actually a very specific freelance writer criteria where if you are submitting, I think it's submitting, uh, there's more definition in online about this, but I think if you submit over 35 pieces in the year for the same uh, entity, facility, uh, company, right? Like if you're submitting it for the same organization, then if there's over 35 pieces, you're considered an employee in in the eyes of California. And what that's creating is a little bit of fear from the companies and the contractors to work with folks in California or uh, to work with companies in California because they could be treated as employees and have limitations. And what that's doing is putting Californians at a disadvantage because if you have a contractor in California, it's, you know, a lot harder because you have to monitor how many pieces they're, they're being given if you don't want to consider them an employee. So there's a lot going on there and there's more developing. So this is something I would just encourage any freelance writer to stay aware of and follow along as these develop because 
I think the laws will come and change and evolve as they realize these side effects of what they're doing. And Mm. I think that they'll see that there's more to it than, you know, just getting more out of the gig gig economy. I think there are others that are being affected by this and I'm not sure if it's going to change or not, but definitely stay, stay alert to anything going on there. Mm. Now, does this apply? Like if I live in Georgia and I wrote for somebody, a company in California, does that apply still? It does. Okay. It does. So what the California companies are, um, you know, they have to come up with a plan on how they're going to, to remain compliant, but also the freelancers in California are also subject to it. And they are, and with this, again, this national and global economy we have where we can hire anyone from all over the country. I mean, I work with people all over the country and depending on, you know, who you're working with, if they're in California, then, uh, you have to remain aware of what's going on there. Right. Wow. Shannon, you've been such a, given us such great, great information. And you you had talked about a resource on your website. Can you mention that again? And can you tell our listeners what your website is? I mean, we will have it in our, in our notes and things like that, but if someone's listening and they want to go directly to your site and they can't wait, can you give us that and where they can find that, that great resource? Sure. So my company is called Financial Solutions. So it's like financial with a T. So Financial Solutions. <laughs> if you go to financialsolutions.com, right on the main page, right under, I think there's a picture banner. And then right underneath that, you can pick up a free copy of my bookkeeping template, which is just an Excel spreadsheet. It's got the basic categories you need for your tax return. And it's, it's super simplified. Uh, you can take it, download it, change it up if you want to, customize it. But it's just kind of a shell for you to get started with so that you don't have to feel overwhelmed about starting with a completely blank slate. And it's available to you for free. It's just an email opt-in. And I send um, weekly newsletters out to those who are on my list. So if you're interested in joining, you can always hop on there and sign up. And uh, yeah, my, my website's out there. I have tons of resources on there and links to find whatever services you're looking for. That is Thank you. Yes. Well, we greatly appreciate you being here today and thank you for all your you know, valuable information. And if you are a listener who has put your head in the sand about taxes and finances, you might want to get out and check these things out because like I said at the beginning, it's our necessary evil for now that we have to deal with. So, but thank you for helping guide us through this and, you know, simplifying it too. Absolutely. Thanks, Joyce and Sherilyn for having me. Thank you. for joining us on this episode of The Right Hour. Our goal is to help you achieve your writing dreams. You are one step closer to write your book. Learn how to get the book out of your head with the four steps we teach our clients. Sign up for the free email series at therightcoach.biz. The link is in the show notes. The four steps help you clarify your focus, create and organize your content, and complete your book. We share tips on the writing process, and you can download the writing planner to track your progress. Don't let fear and overwhelm keep you from writing your book. It's time to write your book.